Hello and welcome to another episode of ECPC. I am sitting in a beautiful garden on the DePaul campus together with Korai Yasili. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, it's a beautiful day. Great. As per usual, check some uh, things off the list. You are 30 years old. You were born in Berlin. You now live in Chicago with your wife and you are the team captain of the Rooks. Is that all correct? It's all correct. I, I moved over eight years ago from Berlin um, to play soccer at Paul, and since then a lot of things happened and you know now I'm married and have a four-month-old. Awesome. Well, congrats on that. You started perfectly because the first thing on my list is your story. Tell us a little bit about how you started with soccer in Berlin and then in the U.S. The first time I played for a club was when I was four, four and a half. Neighborhood club in Berlin, right next door to our apartment building where all the neighborhood kids were playing. But fairly fast, I think, I realized that I have a little bit more talent. So I joined the Youth Academy of Hertha Berlin um, when I was 10. Unfortunately, throughout my career as well, injuries were always a part of my, my journey. So my first surgery was with 10. Um, you know, a couple of years later, I had the next one. So my time at Hertha Berlin was limited to four years. But that really didn't stop me to keep playing competitively. I played the first season um, of the B Bundesliga in Germany and then under 19 Bundesliga as well. So I definitely had um, some competitive times and, you know, played um, men's division starting 19 in the fourth and fifth division semi-professionally from that perspective. Yeah, I came to the United States about eight years ago. I got offered a full ride from DePaul University, wanted to learn English and experience American culture. And yeah, I had the opportunity to do that playing the U1 soccer and I definitely enjoyed that. And, um, you know, one thing led to the other. What does German Youth Academy soccer look like? Well, I mean, playing for a Bundesliga academy like at the Berlin, it's very disciplined. Starting when you're six, seven, when you join the club, you know, you have 10 specific club rules that everyone has to follow and should follow, which have a lot to do with discipline, uh, respect, and how you should treat each other within the club. But then from a, from a practice perspective, from a playing perspective, there are rules, there are specific ways teams want to play and how they want to develop. When I joined originally, they had started playing younger players against older players. So I'm born 91 and I was playing against 89, 90 you know, kids. So from that perspective, it's definitely a lot more competitive. You know, every year you're being evaluated at a team like Hertha Berlin and if you don't cut it, you actually have to leave the club. It's not pay for play like a lot of academies here. So from that perspective, only performance matters. And you have to develop even as a 10 year old, even as 11 year old, the pressure is on, which though um, helps then eventually to, to handle that kind of pressure within the game, but then off the field as well. How did that change your approach to life? Look, you always are learning. You know, development is part of life. Um, I think if you stagnate, you're doing something wrong. Um, if it's on or off the field, you know, development is very important. And you only develop from, from mistakes usually, right? And mistakes are fine. I think the most important thing is to learn from those. So it's very important that you analyze yourself. You're self-critical. You're honest about who you are and what, what, what you're capable of. And as long as you really have a honest self-reflection, development is everywhere and it's very important to, to master soccer, but also life. What was your goal when you started playing soccer and how has it shifted as you developed when you left Germany? 
Well, it started obviously just, you know, as a hobby in Germany, everyone plays soccer, right? Everyone plays uh, in the parks and you have fun and, you know, a, a club gives you some um, organization in your daily schedule from doing homework and from going to school, but then, you know, being having to handle practice and then school at the same time. Um, once you get a little bit older, I would say starting with 12, 13 and you get in the more serious environment, definitely the, the idea of playing professionally and playing soccer for a living is always something that you're, you're trying to, you know, chase. But at the same time, you have to really realize and be honest, at the end of the day, becoming professional has a lot of to do with luck, right? It's If it's injuries, if it's just being at the right time at the, for the right moment. But yeah, it started with fun. It became, hey, maybe it's something I can do for a living. When I came over to the United States, it wasn't necessarily a priority. Um, you know, schooling, I, was, I came here as a graduate student, so school was definitely priority number one. But at the same time, you know, I was still young enough to have an eye on, hey, if I can make an impression, can I make it professionally? And can I maybe even, you know, play for, you know, a decade or so and make, make a living of it? You know, at the end of the day, the story was definitely written and um, it didn't turn out to be um, that, but um, it definitely opened up a lot of doors. It taught you a lot of things uh, off the field that then I can utilize and I am utilizing in the professional world. Having heard stories from players who played from a very young age on, there's very little time for anything else because soccer is what you focus on. What was life for you offside the pitch in Berlin? So my high school was a little bit uh, special as well and that from my perspective, we had every second Saturday school. For me, um, you know, discipline and time management was very important. While some kids were coming home Saturday mornings from a party, I was going to school, right? Some kids were coming back from party Sunday morning, I was going to a game. You know, got to go to bed early, got to, you know, eat the right food at the, you know, before games. So you, you definitely didn't have the, um, the same time to spend on, on on parties or going out and whatsoever, you know, and especially the level that we play that discipline is just critical and was critical to be successful. Then gave me the opportunity to do things that my, you know, like I would say normal, you know, <laughs> kids were doing. But, um, you know, at the same time, it definitely gave you life lessons and discipline and time management, but it's also your passion, you know, when you do something that you love, you don't care what you're missing because you do what you love. And, um, you know, I loved soccer and I love education. So, you know, doing both things full time was for me never a drag. It was rather a passion and something I wanted to do the rest of my life. And now we shift over from Germany to the US. So you're 22 years old. You have played for Hertha BSC Berlin, which is one of the big Bundesliga clubs, the biggest club in Berlin. What did you find in the US soccer wise? How was that different? Yeah, it was very interesting. It was a very interesting experience from the approach, from the from the coaching. It's very different. At the end of the day, you have to know that Germany is one of the most advanced countries in, in, in soccer development and you know youth soccer. It's evolving year by year and I always try to improve it. So playing college soccer was very interesting. Obviously, D1 is supposed to be the, the most talented players at that time. Now you have obviously more kids going directly professionally, but at that time, you know, it was like the premier talent pool. And yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, you know, from a level perspective, difficult to compare to Germany. Ger the German level is definitely higher. You know, the, the levels we played at, players I played against are professional, some, some of them. You see some of them in the Premier League or in the Bundesliga. So that's really not comparable. And from a development perspective, having here pay for play, in, in America, 
really limits the amount of talent that can really join soccer. And that's really different in, in, in Germany or almost across the world where you, you know, everyone from any level, from any income level can, can join, can play. And from that perspective, have a, a lot wider talent pool. The other thing is, I think a big one is um, the way how soccer is looked at. Um, obviously, American football, basketball, ice hockey really shapes the, the thought process, how an athlete should act and how an athlete should be built. But soccer players are different. Soccer happens to two thirds in your in your head. It's a mental game, right? Only you know maybe one third of it is really physicality, where you have to be able to run and sprint and so on. But most of it is is is, is your head work. And that approach is a little bit different here. You know, here it's about being fit, being in shape, you know, being pumped up a little bit. And um, that that was definitely a, a, a big change. That is the perfect segue to my next question. How did the U.S. environment soccer-wise? changed you as a player? Well, so when I joined the team, um, I joined as one of the older players and as one of the captains um, pretty much um, from day one. So from day one, I had a lot of responsibility. I had the ball very often in the game. I had to build up the game. I had to take on leadership on the field within my first touch pretty much. And that was the expectation. But also off the field, I think the Paul was really looking to reshape the program bring it to the next level and move it forward. And the, the freshman class that came in that year was very talented. And it was really a, you know, try to, to cha change the culture within the Paul soccer. And I think the results after left, after the freshman class became upperclassmen, we proved that making the Big East tournament, you know, changing the, the culture of the program. And, it, you know, and you, you grow as a person on that, right? You, you know, you have to take that on. You have to find the right approach with every single player, you know, with conversations on and off the field, you know, how you direct players and the, the team on the field. So you learn a lot, right? Sometimes you have to be loud, sometimes you have to be quiet, sometimes you have to be strategic, sometimes tactical. So it's, you know, from a personal level, I took a lot away from this learning and, you know, getting better as a, as a person, as a soccer player. Tell us a little bit about how you went from DePaul to where you are now as uh, the captain of Edgewater Castle. My soccer time at DePaul was unfortunately cut a little bit short with, with injuries. After my first season, which was successful, personally, I would say, I tore my ACL, unfortunately, which put me on the, on the sideline for about five to six months. Made it back to the second season, my final senior year, and I broke my shin in the sixth or seventh game, which obviously ended my season. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get another red shirt. So from that perspective, any other soccer developments or dreams were cut short. So I was always looking to, to find a team in the city that was providing practice, competitive training, but then also competitive games. And unfortunately, you know, there was a lack of that, right? And um, I found uh, a Schwaben, a, a team on the north side, obviously with German roots, so it fit very well. But the drive out to the suburbs has been always a, a problem here. You know, I didn't have a car for the longest time and there was no chance I would, was able to go to practice on a regular basis uh, to the suburbs. So when the opportunity came up with Edgewater, I was very excited. You know, it's, I'd had a good conversation with Andrew initially. They were looking to, you know, diversify a little bit their, their roster. I had a good conversation with the coach, wanted to see me obviously practice and uh, um, you know, play a little bit and, you know, for me it was obviously uh, as well a step, you know, getting back into practice and training on a regular basis. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great opportunity and, you know, very excited that, you know, I was able to play again a little bit later in, in my career, you know, semi-competitive soccer. What hooked you about the club? 
Well, the conversation with, with Andrew and the coach were both great, honestly. Andrew made clear that like, his uh, idea of a club, a community club, which in Germany it's very usual, right? Having grassroots, having a neighborhood club that is there for everyone, where it's not about we're making the most out of money, but it's really giving back to the community, building a community team. And that's really something I think is really missing in the United States. And it's really something that is actually stopping the, the development of soccer in, in, in the U.S. I think it's a team like Edgewater can we really provide a, a, a great platform for, for youth development in soccer, but also for, for soccer um, as a sport in the United States. But in the conversation with the coach was, was, was great as well, very competitive, wanted to build a, a team that, you know, develops and wins and um, has a clear idea on what he wants to do. You know, over time, obviously, we got to know each other very well. And, you know, he entrusted me being the captain of the team, which is something I took on with a lot of pride and a lot of joy. Having a coach there that is um, very motivated to, to show up every day at training prepared you know to to be wanting to teach you know younger players um, and wanting to develop the team is really something that's very important in, in any team and so uh, the, the, those two conversations you know, over time that we really provided a, a great platform and a, a great ba basis for me to join looking at the team so you're 30 and then we have the very young ones like our goalie Dennis Trudin who's 17 that is a huge age range not just in soccer development but just the, the individual the cognitive development that goes into that what were the challenges that you as a captain took on with that of a diverse team you know the experience that I have you know is unique but also with the you know, age comes you know having seen different situations having seen you know, other events that lead to either success or failure. And obviously, you, as a young player, you don't necessarily, you have to live it to, to believe it, right? Um, if someone older tells you that, you know, you, you listen with one ear maybe, you know, but you don't really believe it until it happens. Um, and I think that's something, um, you know, um, I'm trying to, to give back, you know, definitely to, to our young players is, hey, I experience things that I don't want you to go through, right? If it's, you know, especially on a negative side, as a team, um, you can avoid mistakes and failures if there's a few things that we tweak. But uh, again, my experience back in Germany, when we were 16, 17, we started playing against men's teams. When I was 19, I joined the men's teams where we we had teammates that were 30, that were 34, 35, they were even older. And you learn from that. You learn from that behavior and you learn from, you know, that interaction. And, you know, you try to, you know, implement that or in, in a sense that helps the team. So far, every young player has been, you know, listening in a sense of with open ears you know no one has been shut off or you know was cutting off any any thought processes so it has been great and the young players are mature enough to listen um, and wanting to learn so um, it has been no no problem how's it being a captain on the pitch in this midwest premier league season interesting right um actually specifically it's very unique with having people from uh, players from diverse backgrounds, right? We have, you know, individuals from Africa, from the Middle East, from South America, from America, from Europe, from all over the place, and all of them bring a different aspect and knowledge to the field. Some players might never have played in a 11 against 11 team, you know, soccer match. So from a tactical perspective, definitely it has been very, very loud, right? Trying to be very vocal about 
where everyone needs to go. You know, Germany's obviously known for their tactical uh, education, so that's something that's very important for me. Um, so it has been um, an interesting experience and a, a good experience of trying to teach uh, tactics actually during the game and make sure that people know their places. Definitely a different style of soccer a little bit. Again, the U.S. soccer is a lot more athletic from a, from a running perspective, from the way how it's being played, you know, a lot of long balls. You know, I used to be a center back, you know, obviously playing center back, holding mid for, for Edgewater. So running is not at the top of my priorities. <laughs> so definitely, um, you know, being able to navigate everyone's expectations and beliefs and how they want to play on the field is definitely something I'm trying to keep an eye on and keep everyone together as a team to stay compact and play, play good tactical soccer. Is there something right now that is a challenge in that regard? It's a learning curve, you know, it's a learning process. I think I joined Edgewater, I think, officially in March, I believe. So it only has been, if you think about it, you know, three and a half months, pretty much, we have been playing and practicing. And there's teams that have been playing together for a decade before they really click to be a team that we mix difference on the field tactically and strategically. So it's it's, it's just a learning process. Um, it's, it's getting better game by game. You know, it's uh, far from perfect, but it's um, you can definitely see a development in every aspect of the game. And, and that's something that we will continue to work on and hope to work on to, you know, in, in a few years to have a team that is tactically as strong as any other team and can win games, not by just willpower or by luck but by strategic tactical soccer playing and how does your role as captain condition your relationship to the coaching staff sure i mean on the field obviously i'm the one that giving commands that is really hopefully sees everything on the field and can keep the, the different parts of the team together and communicates that properly. And off the field, yeah, we have sometimes conversations about what, what can we change, you know, what can we do in order to, to improve defensively or offensively as a team. You know, so you're pretty much, a, you know, the connecting part between coaching team and, you know, the, the players, especially for some young players, right, it's, it's normal. The age difference between the coaches and the young players is even bigger, right? So it, it helps that, you know, to to, to be a part that communicates to both sides and can can balance that out. So communication between the coaches and, and me, but also the other older players is very important to make sure that we as a team play um, as we want to play and, and communicate that during the game, make sure that you know everyone knows their place. Okay, so now you're 30, you have players that you are a captain to who are 22 and younger when you started in the U.S. Did you see a change in how soccer is perceived by players from when you started at age 22 to now? You definitely see that the MLS is integrating more and more younger players and have you know a lot more younger players within their professional rosters. That is definitely helpful to expose more younger players to more a more professional environment for their development. But generally, I would say the, the biggest problem in the U.S. is that there's you know three or four different systems that don't work in one combined direction, right? You have the MLS, you know, you have the NCAA, um, and you have U.S. soccer, right? And you know, not all of them are really working towards the same goal to make soccer, you know, the best sport, the main sport in, in the U.S., but also competitively globally, right? You finally see some more U.S. players overseas, but definitely not to the extent that you would wish to see to, for, the, for the U.S., especially with the population size and the amount of talent pool that, that could be, that will be competitive globally to be a top four team on a regular basis, right? I mean, at the end of the day, 
you know, U23 still haven't, they, they, I don't think they qualified for the Olympics, which, you know, it's, it's a big problem, right? So, yeah, you can see some changes. The quality gets better step by step, but there's still a lot of work to do for the U.S. as far as I can see. And, um, you know, it's definitely something that, Personally, I would love to see that the U.S. you know competes um, on a high level on a regular basis, and you see more and more U.S. players integrated in in European soccer specifically. But yeah, the the, the pace how it's developing so far, it will take a lot more, many more years before that before we can say the U.S. will compete on a regular basis against the likes of Germany or France or you know sometimes England. Then you also have to look at the age difference between the soccer culture in those countries. I mean, Germany having the early beginnings of soccer in the late 19th century, whereas here <laughs> soccer in an organized structural way uh, with a league installed is what not even 30 years old, right? What comes after soccer for you? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I've I've now a child. Um, I have to take care of, you know, obviously. Um, I have a wife, um, so we're starting, you know, family and professionally. Obviously, I'm trying to, you know, establish myself within my career. Um, I would say I have another four or five years, you know, if I keep my my shape to play at a good level. But yeah, uh, you know. I, I think uh, since my last big injury I had in college, it's clear that soccer is not going to be, uh, will be difficult for me to, to make it professionally, which is okay. So it's building a professional career based on the values I learned in soccer um, and hopefully give those back to the next generation. I think that's not my responsibility to give back as much as possible to the, to the young players. So hopefully they can do a step forward and you know, help Edgewater, but you know, also maybe play a small part in development of soccer in the US. So you said you experienced injuries, which are a huge setback when you are a young and aspiring player and you want to go places. What is your tip to young players who will probably face injuries throughout their career? Injuries are part of the, of, of the sport. The worst thing you can do is, you know, put your head down and, you know, be sad and, you know, give up. I think one thing that I can say is uh, I never gave up, right? After every injury that I had, I came back even stronger, right? Especially when you're young, you know, you know, your, your injuries are not going to hinder you for, for a long period of time. You, you get back, you get back in, the, uh, in rehab and you give 100%, 150%, right? As long as you can, you know, you know, stand, as long as you have a little bit more energy, You gotta do one more rep. If the doctor says do 10, see if you can do 11. You know, if it doesn't hurt you, right? And this is all saying if it's medically, you know, possible. If you, you know, if your trainer says do 15 setups, do try to do 20, right? Always push yourself to be better. You should be your own. You should always want to beat yourself in what you do, right? You always want to get better than than yourself from yesterday. And if you do that, you will get better, right? Step by step, and and that's very important. Injuries are part of it. It hurts in the first moment, you know. It hurts after surgery. The, the moment you can go back into rehab, it's all about rehab. It's all about you know making sure you, you get back as soon as possible, and you know listening to your body, listen to when you when if it's good pain or bad pain, and push as hard as you can, right? If you have a leg injury, you can still work on your on your abs or your arms. You know, if you have upper body injury, you might be able to still work on your legs. But you have to be honest, right? At the end of the day, it's honest about your pain level, about honest about what your body can carry. And soccer is is a beautiful sport. You know, one of the loves of my life. But it's just a sport, right? There's thousands, millions of kids that play soccer. There are less talented kids that 
than you, more talented kids than you, they might not have made it, right? Because of whatever's, you know, injury or bad luck. I can tell you there's many, many, many talented players in Germany, they just didn't make it, you know? Well, now that you can talk about some specific examples of my age group that were close, so close, and from one day to another day, they just didn't get the contract, and, and that's it. At the end of the day, most important thing, as, as a young player, don't forget, is, is school, 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 right? It's education. Doesn't mean that you can't focus on on soccer either, um, but if you can't carry both, the number one thing is education, because that's something that's gonna stay with you the rest of your life. Soccer, you know, might be over with, you know, with 18, might be over 30, 35, but it will be over one day, you know, and you still, but your head will stay on your, on your body, hopefully, until the last day of your life. So that's why it's very important that you really don't forget that. I cannot really imagine that somebody doing soccer and school in such high intensity as a kid all of a sudden finds himself with a little bit more off time than probably wanted during post-injury times. Did you purposely try to interact with soccer in a different non-physical way during those off times? Well, I mean, you, you watch soccer, you know, you try to go to the games of your team and, you know, stay engaged. But yeah, it is definitely a drag. I would say, you know, I could see a correlation of dropping grades when I was injured, right? When I was actually had less time through soccer, I was actually better in school. You know, it definitely gave me the balance in life and generally. So, you know, you, yeah, you, you try to watch a little bit more, you know, you go to the games, but, but at the end of the day, when you have free time from practice and you're injured, you should do your rehab, simple. And you can do a lot of exercises if it's at home, you know, in your park outside. You just look at to get back as soon as possible and, you know, build yourself back up and, um, you know, so you can play with your friends again. Coaching? Yeah, we'd love to. I actually tried two years or three years ago. I wanted to start coaching at Schwab in the suburbs, but I came to a realization um, I, it would be very difficult. I was working downtown, you know, driving out two or three times a week to the suburbs um, during rush hour. It's very unpredictable, and I didn't want the coach to be the unpredictable piece of the chain of a team. So I told Tomas, the, the director of coaching there, that as much as I would love to, it's something I can't promise, and that's the worst thing, right? If if you coach small kids that's definitely something you want to make sure you you're the one that's always on the pitch the first you know that's prepared so it was impossible at that time but yeah if it's within the city you know the city limits and city borders definitely something i love to do um love to coach love to give back some of the knowledge you know probably a little bit different coaching style than maybe a u.s soccer um coach from a approach from the way how i would tackle things but yeah we'll love to um it's a lot of fun maybe you know once i'm done my career who knows what do you hope to stay from all of this, from all of this soccer journey? There are so many things. You know, soccer pretty much brought me to the U.S., right? Without soccer, I, will be, I wouldn't be here probably, you know. It opened up a lot of doors, you know. It gave me a lot of opportunity. It made me who I am, right? Without soccer, I wouldn't be maybe the disciplined, you know, individual that I am. Maybe not the, the reliable person that I, I want to be. It also might not have given me the, the, the grind, right? The coming back from injuries, you know, be staying focused on one thing and working 
all the way to the end to make it back on the field. Um, so definitely it shaped me. So soccer is never going to leave me even if I stop playing. And you know, hopefully my son will pick it up um, one day when he's old enough. I will definitely stay connected to the game in, in one way to another one. You know, fortunately there are over 40 teams, over 50 teams that you can join eventually. And as long as my body allows it, I will definitely play. I think um, it's a game that I will not just easily quit doing. I, you know, after a, another recent injury, I thought about it, but it was just too early and I couldn't. So I'll stay connected to soccer for a long period of time. At the end of each interview, I ask six quick questions. Question number one, Berlin specific, of course, Hertha or Union? That's tough. I have to say Hertha because obviously I played for the team. Great experience, you know, good, good time. So Hertha. Defense or midfield? Defense. Uh, I, I pretty much played defense my whole life. You know, midfield is fun too. You're offensively more engaged, but I'm a defender all in, you know, so defense. Number three, who will win the Euros? Clearly uh, Germany. I think the game against Portugal showed the potential. Uh, Germany plays better against good teams. French just got eliminated. Um, Spain was lucky. So Germany it is. Stadium atmosphere or community soccer pitch? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, if you if you ever watch the game in the stadium in, in, in Europe, in Spain, or even in Germany, you know that the atmosphere can be very special, especially for a derby. But, you know, I played for it in front of a couple thousand people at a community small village soccer team, and it was fun too. But at the end of the day, if I think about the big games that I watch in a big stadium, those are special. What is your go-to MLS team? <laughs> um, Not sure if I can answer that. Uh, you know, I don't know if I have one. Uh, I actually don't watch so much MLS because uh, you know I watch already enough Premier League and Bundesliga, so I can't spend too much more time. So I, I have to leave that unanswered. Okay, let's change the question then. U.S. team, like any club from any kind of league, does that help? Yeah, you know, obviously, I would say, you know, we live close to the to Wrigleyville, so the, the Cubs are definitely a, a team we, we follow. My wife's family likes the Bears, so that's a team you kind of try to follow, but obviously, you know, it's you know, it's an up and down. And the Hawks, my, my first three years in the States, the Hawks were very successful, so I really enjoyed uh, the Blackhawks. And ice hockey, from a game perspective, is a little bit closer to, to soccer, so it's definitely something I enjoyed watching. The very last question, will your son play soccer? I hope so, but at the end of the day, he can make his own choices. You know, for me, it was the right sport. It might not be for him. You know, obviously, depending on where we live, we might have different opportunities. I recently picked up uh, golf, so it's definitely a sport that I, I started enjoying as well. But yeah, it's all up to him. Um, if he wants to play it, I'm 100% in support. If he doesn't, I also support him, so. But the influences there, I just saw the sun in the stroller before the interview and there was a little plush soccer ball in it. So uh, there we go. Uh, thank you so much for the interview. I had a great time. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your questions and go Rooks.